All right. Well, uh, welcome back to another episode of the Justify Your Existence podcast. I'm your host, Brendan Farrell. Um, I write for the Daily Journal. Um, you can see all of our Ole Miss and Mississippi State coverage at djournal.com and follow us on social at djournalsports. Um, you can follow me on Twitter at bfarrell727. Um, it is Monday, November 20th. It is Egg Bowl week. And uh, this morning, I'm joined by Paul Jones. Um, you can find him on Twitter at Paul Jones on three. And uh, Paul, how are you this morning? Uh, doing great. How are you? I'm, I'm doing just fine. Um, so, yeah, what's what's kind of uh, how are you kind of feeling on this you know, first day of the uh, Egg Bowl week here? Yeah, you know, to be honest, it's it's weird because obviously it's uh, the talk of Mississippi uh, every time, you know, around this time every year. Uh, Thanksgiving means Egg Bowl in, in this state. But, uh, you know, with Mississippi State's coaching search and all that's going on, it, it I don't speak for all Mississippi State and their fans, but it, it seems like it's kind of in the backdrop, if you will. I mean, uh, I think uh, they're interested to see what happens, obviously, in the game. But you know, you got interim head coach, uh, a lot of a lot of noise and interest surrounding on who's going to be the guy to replace Zach Arnett. So it's it's kind of a weird deal, uh, which is kind of fitting for the Egg Bowl because we always have weird deals for the Egg Bowl. Yeah, you know, when was the last time the Egg Bowl was normal, right? Exactly, exactly. And then you know, not so much. Um, you know, we've seen in years past who uh, coaches that win or lose that game have been fired before. And, and you know, here we have a, a unique situation where a coach has already been fired before the Egg Bowl even starts. Uh, so it's, it's a unique dynamic to the game this year. Yeah. So um, I think it's also interesting the way you brought up, um, you know, for the fans, it's kind of in the background because of, uh, you know, everything going on with the coaching search at Mississippi State. But uh, kind of, I, I was there on Saturday in Starkville for, um, you know, state and Southern Miss, and um, the, the the vibe that I got is that the the players are very much into this game against Ole Miss. You know, they're they know how important it is to everybody in the state. You know how important this game is. No doubt, and I mean it. You're, you're... <clears throat> excuse me, a lot of Mississippi guys, and they know the importance of this game, uh, you know, and, and to be honest, you know, you get one more win and you're bowl eligible too. Uh, you know, even with the interim head coach, that's the goal to go to a bowl game. And, you know, these guys have a lot of pride and, and this season hasn't gone like they expected, but, you know, they have a, a, a chance to – end the season on a high note and and obviously winning the egg bowl would do that for for many different reasons uh, you know as i mentioned you get to go to a bowl you get a win over your rival uh it helps kind of take that bad taste out of your mouth of what's happened this season uh so it'll be interesting to see and you know i kind of obviously that game turned around when nick fitzgerald got hurt but i kind of compared to that year that Ole Miss came in Starville, was a big underdog, just like Mississippi State is this weekend. And, you know, Matt Luke was interim head coach at the time for Ole Miss, and they pulled off the upset. Uh, and obviously that cemented Luke to, to get the full-time job and take the interim tag off. Uh, you know, I don't think that happens with Greg Knox, but, um, you know, I, I think there's, there's some similarities to that game um, that we saw back in, I guess, 2017. 
uh, when Ole Miss came in. I think they were a 15, 16-point underdog to Mississippi State and ended up winning that game. Yeah, and then, um, you know, the kind of segue into the coaching search, um, what are all your kind of, I guess, insights into that right now? You know, I, I think it's a little bit too early. I think we're still probably a few days away from really knowing, and, and I say knowing, Zach Selman has his own list. Uh, he knows who he wants to talk to. Uh, we're not privy to that information, unfortunately. Uh, so a lot of this is speculation and guessing. You know, I've heard Jamie Chadwell's name a lot, Liberty head coach. Uh, I've heard, you know, John Summerall from Troy, Willie Fritz from Tulane, Red Lashley from SMU. Uh, just a lot of names right now thrown out there. And, of course, there's a lot of agent talk uh, in the background, who's interested, who might be interested. But uh, the, the unique thing about this one is this is Zach Selman's first major hire at Mississippi State. Uh, we don't really have a background to guess on what he wants in a head coach. Uh, you know, he told us in his press conference he wants a winner. You know, I've heard uh, through sources that his goal is to find a sitting uh, head coach, whether it be from Power 5 or G5. I think he wants to go that route. Uh, somebody that knows how to run a program, knows how to has, – has ran a winning program and have – you know, that's the thing, too, you got to look at. This, this program needs stability. I mean, it, it, you, you kind of don't think about it until you say it out loud, but, you know, they're about to have their fifth head coach, fifth different new head coach since 2017. And uh, obviously there were some unfortunate circumstances in there with the tragic passing of Mike Leach. Uh, Joe Moorhead was only here for two years. Uh, Zach Arnett didn't even make it one season. So you've, you've really got to find somebody that can bring stability to this program because the players need that. And, and, to move forward, you've got to have that with this program. Yeah, it was kind of interesting to see that, um, you know, at the very least, you know, with the names that you mentioned, you know, kind of the recurring thing is that these are sitting head coaches, right? Because they they just tried the whole let's promote a coordinator thing and it didn't work out. So it's interesting to me to see that, you know, they, they want a an established head coach. Exactly. And, you know, with the promotion of Zach Arnett, I think Mississippi State's hands were really tied there because of the timing. I mean, Mike Leach suddenly passes away. You're a few days away from signing day. Um, you know, to to have a normal national search for a head coach after Mike Leach passed away, I think you run the risk of a lot of guys going in the portal. You probably lose most of your recruiting class. I just think it was bad timing. But, yeah, this time around, um, I, I really feel like Mississippi State's going to end up hiring a sitting head coach. Is there anybody that you're a, a fan of or you think would be the right fit? You know, I think you could pick holes with anybody and, and you can make the case for anybody. Uh, Red Lashley has a lot of connections with the SEC. Uh, obviously, been at Auburn, uh, played at Arkansas. Uh, he's in a good situation, though, with SMU right now, about to go into ACC. They have a ton of money at SMU. Uh, you look at Jamie Chadwell, I, I really believe the offense he runs, and, you know, they have some triple option stuff that they do, but it's it's not really a triple option when you think of Georgia Tech or Navy or Army. Uh, it's a fast-paced 
offense that that throws vertical shots. I really believe with his offensive system that it may fit Mississippi State's recruiting footprint and what you see with the talent in this state with high schools and the type of football that they play and the, and the type of schemes they run. Uh, you know, I, I you, you look at John Summerall at Troy, he's he's been a winner. Uh, you know, his offense didn't really excite people. So, like I said, there's holes you could pick with anybody. Um, but but to me, I, I, I think Chadwell's system may fit Mississippi State's recruiting footprint a little bit better than most. Yeah, um, I think it's interesting with the Chadwell thing. It's sort of, um, I mean, their offenses are nothing alike, but it sort of goes back to the whole thinking with Leach and I would say even Mullen to an extent is, you know, let's find somebody who plays football in a way that nobody else does in the conference. Exactly. And, and you know, it's um, it took a while for Leach's offense to catch on to Mississippi State, and then they even took a step backwards in his last year. <clears throat> it's just so different recruiting to that aspect when you're in Mississippi. To his credit, Mike Leach did a really good job, probably the best job of anybody uh, at Mississippi State when it comes to recruiting receivers. And, and you know, he signed a lot of good ones during his time here, and, and obviously some of them are still on the roster. Um, but, you know, it it can take a while to get your players to fit your system. And, and I know Zach Arnett caught a lot of heat when he took over for not keeping with the same things that Mike Leach did, but – you know, you could follow Zach Arnett for a lot of things, but that's not one of them to me because the air raid offense was struggling in the SEC. And, look, you're a first-time head coach. It's your program. It's your system. Now, he failed with it, but he wanted to do things his way, just like any new head coach would want to do. And whoever Mississippi State hires to replace Arnett, they're going to want to run their system uh, and, and how quick you can adapt to that system with the players that you recruit and, and your recruiting footprint to me is going to be really key when it comes to how quick you can get this program back off the ground. Well, I think the other interesting thing to note is, you know, I feel like coming into this year, they were playing people pointing out like, Hey, you know, going from an air raid offense to a more traditional, you know, offense this year was going to be difficult. And so if you hire a guy like Chadwell, well, how do you go from air raid to, you know, they've been running this year to, you know, Chadwell's really unique offense, right? That's a lot of change in just three seasons. It is. And, um, you know, and that's the thing, too, with, with Mike Leach. He was the only one that ran that type of air raid. You know, he threw it more than uh, his disciples have. You know, a lot, you look at Lake and Riley and so many others that have taken the air raid concept and tweaked it, uh, put in more of a run game. Uh, more use of a mobile quarterback. So they tweaked it. Mike Leach's air raid was unique in itself, and he was the only one that ran it that way. Um, you know, I think it was a, a a huge adjustment for the offensive linemen in those pass sets and different run block schemes that they had to adjust to. Uh, when, when you bring somebody in here now, depending on their system, there's going to be another adjustment. Uh, I think the diff the – the question is, is how big is the adjustment going to be? There's going to be an adjustment. The, the, the key is just going to be how big is it going to be? Yeah, and then um, I think also, you know, between the names you've mentioned, it's taken 
I was looking at, you know, the amount of time it's taken some of these guys to really get things going. Like, you know, Chadwell won 11 games in his second year at Coastal Carolina. Sorry, third year at Coastal Carolina. You know, John Summerall is has only been coaching at Troy for two years. Um, but on the other hand, you have Willie Fritz, who, uh, you know, he's been at Tulane for a while. And it wasn't until last year that they went past seven wins in a season. So when you're coming off firing a coach after not even a full season, um, I think it's interesting maybe to look at, well, how much of a leash are these guys going to get and how much time did it take for them at their previous stop to really get things going? And, you know, to me, it's a, it's a twofold situation at Mississippi State. You've got a lot of seniors on this team. Uh, some of them have a COVID year left that may come back. But you got a lot of super seniors that can't come back. Uh, that's one aspect of this team. But we're also in the transfer portal era where you can bring in immediate help, and, and that can help change your program around pretty quickly. We've seen we've seen coaches all over the country. You know, you look at Arizona, a team that Mississippi State played this year, and uh, somehow beat Arizona. And Arizona's been almost unbeatable since that game. I think they only have losses to Oregon and Southern Cal, and those were narrow losses. Uh, but Arizona quickly turned around their program, uh, and a lot of that was due to the transfer portal. And, and we've seen other teams in the SEC take advantage of the transfer portal. So I think that's something to keep in mind when you're hiring a coach, uh, somebody that's had success in the transfer portal. Yeah, and um, you know, you mentioned all the super seniors and you know guys who may or may not have covid years left um but at that point you know you do have to restock the the depth right you do have to restock the the roster even with the transfer portal and everything so um are there any like major concerns about you know how to keep the recruiting class together this year well obviously they've already lost a couple big pieces and you know who they bring in and hire will have short time to work with to try to get some of those decommitments back. Uh, you know, Braylon Burnside of Starbuck High School is one of them. They decommitted. Um, P.J. Woodland decommitted and flipped LSU. I don't think there's much of a chance to get him back, no matter who you hire, uh, unless you hire Brian Kelly, which isn't happening. Um, you know, I think for the most part right now, you're, you're left with a recruiting class. And, you know, I think there's 16 commitments in the class. Uh, so this was going to be a, a class – even if Arnett stayed, that was going to be heavy on JUCOs and transfer portal guys that they haven't gotten yet. Um, I think with the 16 remaining commitments, I think they're probably in, in good shape. Uh, most of those guys picked Mississippi State because of closeness to home. Uh, they like the school no matter who the coach is. So I, I think you can build on that. You may lose one or two here or there depending on what the new coach wants. Uh, but you probably got at least half of your recruiting class done. Um, but there's always changes when a new head coach comes in and that'll be something that happens rapid fire. You know, that's something that will have to happen within a week or two when the new coach gets in here. And of course we have two signing periods in, in football. So, uh, you know, there, there'll be some work left to do in January, uh, regardless of who the new head coach is. Yeah. And then, um, you know, how important is, you know, kind of knowledge of Mississippi yeah, in Mississippi recruiting to this hire? I think it's huge. Um, I, it, it, at least to have a background 
and to know what you're dealing with. And of course, <clears throat> you know, that falls on your staff too. Who are you going to hire that has ties to the SEC? Who are you going to hire that has ties to Mississippi? Uh, who's been in this state recruiting before? I, I think all those are good questions and uh, they will be questions that, that will be important to answer uh, for the new head coach when it comes to filling out his staff. Yeah, and then um, I don't know, was there, was there anything left about the uh, coaching hire that you would want to mention? You know, not much other than, you know, I mentioned it before. It's it's just – it's hard to pinpoint what Zach Selman wants because he hasn't even been on the job for a full year at Mississippi State. You know, usually um, you get a background. The guy's been around a while. You know what he prefers. You know what he likes. You know what his connections are. Um, you know, Zach came from Oklahoma. He played at Wake Forest. We know that. Uh, but – you know, how does that tie into his coaching search uh, and him doing it for real for the first time in, in his young AD life? Um, just so many more questions and there are answers when it comes to what Zach Selman's going to prefer. Yeah, and then I uh, I know you have to leave in a couple of minutes here. So I will, I'll leave you with this. Um, what's your prediction for the weekend? You know... <sighs> Watching Mississippi State play this year, you know, I, I think they'll come out. Um, I think Greg Knox will do a good job this week preparing them. I, I think they'll play hard. And I know I'm giving you a lot of coach speak, but I, I think the game will be somewhat competitive uh, for a while. But uh, it's hard for me to see Mississippi State's offense keep him up with Ole Miss's offense. You know, State's defense did an unreal job last year against Ole Miss in the Egg Bowl. Uh, I'm not sure they have the players on this defense to do that again this year. Uh, they have played better of late. That's encouraging for Mississippi State fans. But uh, I think the struggles of the offense is what's going to probably be the difference in the game and how well and how consistent Ole Miss's offense has been this year. Right, and you definitely can't have what happened this weekend. I mean, I know that they were trying to work in, you know, Will Rogers and Willie Marks back into the lineup, but – um, can't have that start that they had this weekend where basically nothing was happening for the first like three or four drives. Exactly. And, and you know, I think one thing that gives should give Mississippi State fans hope, and they may not want to hear this, but Mississippi State can run the football. And, and they've proven that this year, even when Woody Marks was out. They have been able to run the football. They've got a good stable of backs. And Greg Knox, knowing his background and what we saw Saturday, he's going to run the football. Uh, and that's a, and that's an opportunity for them to have success on the ground, but also keep their defense off the field, keep Ole Miss's offense off the field, and grind away at the clock. And and that may have to be their recipe for a win Thursday. Hey, worst comes to worst, uh, you know the basketball team's looking pretty good. So exactly, exactly. They uh, they should enter the the rankings uh, this week, I would think, after their start, but. Um, we knew Mississippi State was going to have a pretty good year in basketball this year, but I think their start and the way they've done it has surprised people because they're without Tolu Smith. And and to be able to do that to teams without Tolu, who's got a lot of votes for preseason SEC Player of the Year, uh, it's, it's been impressive what Chris Chance and his staff have done so far. Once again, this is Paul Jones. You can find him on Twitter, at Paul Jones on 3. Um, you can check out his stuff there. Um, you can follow me on Twitter at bferrell727. You can see all of our Mississippi State coverage 
uh, at djournal.com and, you know, and follow us on Twitter at djournal sports. And we'll have plenty of egg bowl coverage this week. So, um, and once again, Paul, thanks again for your time. Anytime.